0: going to read verses 1 through 3 Acts chapter 13 Amen. The Bible says this, now there were in the church that was at Antioch certain prophets and teachers as Barnabas and Simeon, Lucius and Manaen, which had been brought up with Herod the tetrarch. And Saul as they ministered to the Lord and fasted. The Holy Ghost said, "Separate me, Barnabas and Saul, for the work whereunto I have called them." And when they had fasted and prayed and laid their hands on them, they sent them away. Amen. I just want to kind of talk for the next little bit on uh, on the Church of Antioch, the Church of Antioch. And would you just lay your Bibles down? I would ask you to just help me pray right now. Man, I want the Lord to minister in this place this morning. Lord, we love you, God. We're so thankful to be in your house, Lord. We're so thankful to have a place to go, that where we can come and worship and 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 give ourselves unto you, God, and a sacrifice of praise. We just ask you right now that you'd begin to minister in this place, Lord. God, I pray that you would help us, God, draw us closer to you. God, let your word go forth this morning. God, and I pray, God, that you would touch every heart, every mind, under the sound of my voice this morning. God, we give you all the praise and all the glory in Jesus' name. Everybody said, Amen. 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 You may be seated this morning. Turn to your neighbor and say, don't bother me today. You don't have to be mean about it. (laughs) I I believe that the church in Antioch, when you kind of do a deep study on it, uh, you'll find that this church is a gospel-centered church. They are a church that has been shaped by and molded by and fueled by the gospel of Jesus Christ. They are fueled by the good news that Christ has come and he has taken care of the sin problem, and he has imputed to those who are repentant and born again of the water and of the Spirit, imputed unto them his righteousness, so that men and women are seen as sons and daughters who are perfectly blameless and spotless in his sight, regardless of their background. Paul stated in 1 Corinthians 15 that the gospel is the death of, the burial and the resurrection of Jesus Christ and although the gospel has many ramifications these three uh, events define the gospel in a nutshell it is the death the burial and the resurrection of Jesus Christ the gospel of Jesus Christ it was it was uh it was vicarious in nature he 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 did not suffer For personal gain He did not suffer for glory But he suffered so that you and I Could have eternal life Amen. It's a beautiful picture of love and compassion. And I believe that Jesus proved his love by submitting to the executioners when he could have easily defended himself. But the Bible says greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. Aren't you thankful for the gospel of Jesus Christ? Amen. Aren't you thankful to know The gospel of Jesus Christ and so the church in Antioch they are they are fueled by this they have been they have been shaped by this they have been molded by the gospel of Jesus Christ and there are several reasons that I'm confident of that um, that that is this kind of church Uh, but here's the first reason I want to cover there is this relational dynamic going on in this church okay And when you start to look at it, it's really a sight to behold. First of all, the fact that Saul and Barnabas were ever friends who worked together for the cause of Christ. It is a testimony to the mercy of Jesus Christ. And I'm going to show you that. Barnabas is first introduced to us in Acts chapter 4, starting in verse 36. The Bible says, Thus Joseph, who was also called by the apostles, Barnabas, which means son of encouragement, a Levite, a native of Cyprus, sold a field that belonged to him and brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. It's safe to say that that Joseph, this Barnabas, it's safe to say that he is in. I mean, he, he is in, he is in good right now. I mean, he is full on in. When the apostles rename you, you're in. Can we, agree with, can we agree with that this morning? When they rename you, you're in. He's like, hi, I'm Joseph. And they're like, not anymore, bud. Uh, I've been watching you and you are so encouraging. Uh, you, are, you, are the, you are so encouraging. Your name is now Barnabas. And he's like, well, my mama called me. Like, no, 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 no. We love your mama. But your new name is Barnabas. No more Joseph. Okay? We get that. Like when your buddies give you a nickname at work, you are in, my friend. Unless it's a nickname they don't tell you about, then you got to watch out. You got to watch out for those. <laughs> you got to be careful with those. But those of you, you know what I'm talking about. When you have a nickname, you are one of the guys. You are one of the ladies. You are, you are in in high school. I was thinking about this. Uh, I, and people used to call me Jonesy and I think that's like the nickname for everybody who has the last name Jones Okay, so it wasn't like this super cool thing They just called me Jonesy and it was like so unique, right, you know But other than that, I never really had a nickname growing up And so in, in deep preparation for this study, you know, for this talk this morning I, I, was, I got on uh, Google and I, I, I typed in nickname generator And lo and behold, there is a website that you can go to and you can type in your first and last name. You can do your middle name if you wanted to. And you can kind of put some, some of your characteristics on there, your personalities. Are you athletic? Are you, you know, you know, what have you? And so I, I, I did this. And here's, uh, <laughs> here's, 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 let me point this out. Um, and this is the whole point of my message. You can't give yourself your own nickname. That's I'm just kidding. That's not really the point of my whole message, but you you just can't do it You can't give yourself your own nickname so I, and I was thinking about this like these are some I, I'm going here I was like man I'm gonna get a cool nickname and I'm gonna tell everybody that's my new nickname, but you can't give your, you can't give yourself your own Nickname, it's just impossible, but and, and really I'm glad because here's what it came up with uh, the first one big Bryce The nickname Active Bryce Nice Bryce. <laughs> now listen, nobody start calling me any of these. these are, this is not me nicknaming or branding myself, okay? I can't work with any of these, okay? So if you have a better one, please see me after service and we can start secretly spreading it around the church what my new nickname is because I can't give myself a nickname. Barnabas was, 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 was known as an encourager, okay? Have you ever been around people like that? They're just so encouraging. They're just speaking life. They're just so uplifting. They're making everybody better around them. This this is Barnabas. This is who he is. And not only, uh, not only had his spirit and temperament been changed by the gospel of Jesus Christ, but his, his hold on his wealth and what had been given to him by God just completely loosened up under the beauty of the gospel. He sold a field, a piece of property that he had and He didn't try to manage it. He didn't try to divvy out the money as he saw fit. He literally laid it at the apostles' feet. Okay? So now we have a generous man and an encouraging man and a man who has no problem getting under godly authority. And maybe you're maybe you're a skeptic in the room this morning. You're like, well, he was just trying to get favor with the apostles. He was trying to be a big shot and getting good with them and trying to be a big shot in the church. I might give you that argument except for the fact that there's a story about a couple who actually tries to go that route. Maybe you've heard of them, Ananias and Sapphira, and God kills them. Okay, so it's probably safe to say that our boy Barnabas or Joseph, as his mama called him, is legit. Okay, he loves God. Okay, he is in and he has been moved on by the gospel. This is Barnabas. He is in the inner circle there at the church of Jerusalem, he's a part of its leadership. He is an incredible example of what a life that has been impacted by the gospel of Jesus Christ looks like. So there's Barnabas in Jerusalem. And then we also have Saul that is in Jerusalem at this time also. And we pick up his story in Acts chapter 8, starting at verse 1. This is right after the murder of Stephen. Here's what we we find. And Saul approved of Stephen's execution. Execution is an interesting term. It was more like murder. A mob-styled murder. And there arose on that day a great persecution against the church in Jerusalem, and they were all scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria, Except the apostles, devout men, buried Stephen and made great lamentation over him. But Saul was ravaging the church and entering house after house. He dragged off men and women and committed them to prison. Now, you probably can't get too far away from life goals than these two brothers right here. Here you have Barnabas who is... Selling all that he has. That is, he's doing everything that he knows to do and trying to build the church. And then you have Saul, who with his wealth and all his energy, trying to destroy the church. And although it's not in our text, it's not really a leap to say, surely Barnabas knew some of the men and the women that were being thrown out of their houses and put into prison. The church in Jerusalem was a small church at this time. Surely Barnabas knew of some of those men and women whose front doors Saul kicked open, whom Saul dragged out into the street and committed them to prison. This is, you gotta remember, this is first century Jerusalem. There is no Bill of Rights. Okay. There, there, there are no laws against illegal search and seizure. In fact, the picture we get even as we read into the book of Hebrews is that these men and women are arrested and, and their stuff is looted and stolen. Barnabas and Saul literally their worlds crumble. And so how in the world we ask How in the world are Barnabas and Saul working together to build up the church? We read in Acts chapter 13, there at the church at Antioch. There we find these men, Saul and Barnabas. Two men going the opposite direction. Two men who had nothing in common. How in the world are they working together to build up the church? I'll tell you why. Because the gospel reconciles people who you would think there's no way they could ever be reconciled. I'm living proof of that. I have no business standing before you today with a suit and tie on, preaching to you the word of God. But somewhere along the line, the gospel of Jesus Christ. Jesus stepped into my life and he made all the difference, my friend. He made everything new. He took away the old and made it all brand new. That is the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ. You look at the statistics. I come from a broken home, okay? My parents divorced when I was nine years old, a long, long time before Christ was ever in, in, in their life, okay? You look at the statistics. I shouldn't even be up here. I should be failing at life. I should be a nobody. I should be this. I should be that. But somewhere along the lines, Jesus come in and said, no, I can use you. I can take you out of the mire. I can take you out of there and put you into my marvelous life. That's the gospel of Jesus Christ. Amen. It makes all the difference. I love what Paul said in Galatians 1. He said, but when God, who set me apart from birth and called me by His grace, was pleased to reveal His Son in me so that I might preach Him among the Gentiles, I read that and that word just jumped out of me but God but God but when God this is this is the great interruption all that happened in Paul's life came because of that one little word you see Paul was a sinner but God Paul was a murderer but God Paul hated Jesus but God Paul tried to kill Christians but God Paul wanted to destroy the church but God Paul enjoyed being lost but God Paul wasn't looking for a new life but God Paul had tended to kill more Christians, but God stepped in. Come on, clap your hands to the Lord this morning. You all have the same interruption that happened in your life. God stepped in. And I noticed the change in Paul's life when, when Paul starts, when Paul talks about his former life, he's always like, I, 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 I did this and I did that. And I, he was totally self-absorbed. And, and when he talks about his conversion, the focus shifts. Now it is God who moves into action. Now it is God who does the work. God came into Paul's life without permission. It's an amazing, he didn't, he didn't want to, he didn't wait to be asked. He didn't wait to be invited in while Saul was on the road to Damascus. The Lord Jesus, he just barged right in. He didn't ask permission because if he had asked, Saul would have said no, but he came in where he wasn't wanted or expected and he completely took over the situation. And I want you to notice why he didn't. God, Was pleased to reveal His Son in me, Paul said. He came in because He wanted to come in. He came in because He chose to come in. He entered without ringing the doorbell. This is pure, sovereign grace. And we may say, well, that's not fair. You say, I don't think Paul would ever say that. I don't, Paul would say, I don't think Paul would say God twisted my arm because if God had waited for an invitation, Paul would have never been saved. He would have, he he was just, he was lost just like Lazarus was dead. It's not as if Lazarus was sitting around in the tomb saying, I wish somebody would come and raise me from the dead. No, he was dead. Jesus came along and raised him without his permission. It's easy to marvel at the road to Damascus conversion, the road to, uh, to Damascus experience, because Paul, it, it, it's kind of mind-boggling. You think about it. Paul is not a seeker. Paul's not at home reading these Christian books like how to draw closer to God. Yeah, there it is. No, no, he's not looking. He's not seeking after God. He's not, he, he's not trying to get close to God. He's just not. And that doesn't slow down Jesus one bit. God's not up there going, oh man, what am I going to do? This brother's not even interested. He's not, he, 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 what am I, he's like, I've got all these plans for the Gentiles. What am I going to do? What what am I going to do? This guy guy doesn't even want anything to do with me. What am I going to do now? He doesn't care. Jesus just steps in anyways and he kicks him off of his horse and he blinds him. And the reputation of Saul is so bad that when the spirit appeared unto Ananias and says to go and heal this man, Ananias argues. Who argues with a vision? And it's like, it's like, Saul of Tarsus, That's Saul? He's like, yo, this guy, this guy's called us a lot of problems. Like, I don't know if you know this. Have you been reading the news or anything like that? Like, have you picked up the latest newspaper gun? This guy has been causing us some major headaches. Just lost my cousin last week. They're in prison right now because this man, Saul. Okay? You want me to go there and do what? He's like, did you say Saul Tarshish? Because I know another Saul, you know, it might be him, no. Saul of Tarsus. I mean, you want to talk about, you want to talk about being far from God? You want to talk about how dark, how deep a pit of sin you might be in. Here is Saul of Tarsus. Here he is, and he's like, he's like, hey, I was like that. I was far. I was away that was me. You want to talk about uh, those that were violent against Jesus Christ? I did that. You want to talk about people who who did this? I did that. You want to talk about people who approved the execution of a Jesus follower? I did that. But church, that is how powerful the gospel is. That is the power of God. And it is all in Jesus Christ. It is in his life. It is in his death. And it is in his resurrection. That's how powerful it is. Think about it. Isn't this somewhat miraculous? Even if Saul never did anything to Barnabas directly, can we be honest enough to say in this room that some of us dislike people who never did anything to us but maybe did something to somebody we know? Everybody's like, ooh. (laughs) What? What? Yes. Can we be honest and say it, that, you know, we don't trust people and we don't like them, not for what they did to us. They didn't do anything to us, but they did to something to somebody else. In fact, we can, we can talk about, we, 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 we can talk about somebody's integrity that they, them being liars, may, you know, them not being able to trust it. Did they lie to you? No, but they lied to a friend of mine. Okay, they lied to my sister. They lied to my brother. And, and, and yet the gospel has so moved upon Barnabas and Saul that these two partner together for the building up of the church in some of the most difficult scenarios, willing to die for the gospel. The gospel reconciles people, and we see that here at the church of Antioch, as the two primary teachers and leaders of the church of Antioch were one-time enemies who the gospel has now reconciled. There's another guy in the room. We read about him in our text. And all we know about him is his name is Manan. And I hope that I'm pronouncing that right. Manan, M-A-N-A-E-N. He was a friend of Herod the Tetrarch. Now here's what we know about Herod. We know that the Herods are not great people. Now I'm not talking about the ones in Springfield, if anybody knows who I'm talking about. (laughs) We know that the Herods are not great people. If you're of the Herodian Herodian camp and you're on Ancestry.com, you're not going to be on there long, okay? There's no good news for you. Okay? Herod the Great. You may remember Herod the Great from the Christmas story. He was the one who, after the wise men did not return, report on finding Jesus. He had all the baby boys two years old and under in Bethlehem, killed because he was nervous about losing his throne. Everybody remember that? Herod? Okay. On top of that, Herod the Great had his brother-in-law and mother-in-law executed. And some of you are like, I'm starting to like this guy. <laughs> who laughed? I'm <laughs> Someone right there taking notes pretty hard. <laughs> then he had his second wife executed. I mean, this is a dysfunctional family. Herod the Tetrarch is not Herod the Great, he's Herod Antipas. He's also a train wreck. He is friends with the man that we mentioned in our text, Menahan. In fact, they were lifelong friends. It's an interesting way for the text to describe their friendship. They grew up together kind of friends. And here's what we know about Herod Antipas. We know he married his stepbrother's ex-wife. Awkward family reunion. Okay? She's the one. uh, She had a daughter. And she's the one who came in and said, Give me the head of John the Baptist. Okay? On a platter. It's like, wow, biblical counseling. Can we talk about it? Okay, give me the head of John the Baptist on a platter. And so Herod Antipas gives it to her. And he has John the Baptist's head cut off, put on a platter, and brought to this little teenage girl. And then on the night, Jesus is arrested right before he is crucified. Pilate is gleefully filled with joy to find out that Jesus is actually from Bethlehem. So he sends Jesus to Herod, trying to wash his hands of the situation. And Herod's excited because he's heard that Jesus is kind of like a magician and can do these miracles. And he's like, let's see if we can get him to entertain the crowd. He gets his court together and waits for Jesus to get there, and Jesus refuses refuses to do any miracles, so the soldiers mock him and beat him, and they send him to Pilate. This is Herod Antipas, and at the church of Antioch, Manan is a dear friend of this Herod, a lifelong friend, and yet he's in the inner circle of the leadership of this church, Why do I say this? Why do I bring this up? Because once again, this is a testimony to the gospel's power to overcome our past. The gospel overcomes past mistakes. You think you have a past? You think that you failed God? You think that you have a story? We all have a past that we're ashamed of, but the gospel has the power to overcome your past. When you respond to the gospel in obedience, Jesus takes all of your past and washes it all away. It's important that we're baptized in Jesus' name. That we get our sins under the blood of Jesus Christ. I think the most consistent lie men and women believe is that you're, you're too messed up and you're too far gone and you've made too many mistakes or there's no way God could use you, that God could save you, that God could forgive you, that you're the one person in human history who has pushed the boundary too far. That's a lie that a lot of people believe. I would just lovingly tell you, get over yourself. You, 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 you you're, you are not E, you're not that good even at sinning. <laughs> I would lovingly tell you, and, and you may say, look at how awful I am, Bryce. Look at how look at the mistakes. Look at look at how awful my life is. Church is not about how awful you are, it's about how awesome He amen. is. Amen. Amen. Bryce. Do we still believe that we serve a great God? Do we still believe that we serve a God who has all power, who has all authority? Do we still believe that? Yet we come to Him like, God can't fix this. God can't help me at this. It is the habit, if not the consistent practice of God, to pull from the fringes of darkness His brightest lights. That's his preference. Do you know how many of us have been picked up out of the muck and the mire? Do you know how many of us have failed God and failed him in a big way? You see, the glory of God is that you can't outrun his grace you can't outrun his love but you don't know me Bryce you don't know what I did I don't have to know you and you're like you don't know what I've been you don't know what I've done I don't need to know where you've been and I don't need to know what you've done I just need to point you to a cross that says Jesus loves you and is supremely concerned about where you are at in this life you don't know what I've done. You don't know the mistakes. You don't know the failures. You know what I do know? I know there's a whole slew of men in the Bible who would chuckle at what you feel is too far. (laughs) Manan's presence in Antioch shows us the gospel not only has the power to take what's old and make it new, but it shows us a level of trust even with the darkest of paths into the very heart of Christianity. The devil would love to lie to you and say, it's over. Don't even bother going to an altar. Don't even bother praying. Don't even bother repenting. Don't bother. Don't keep walking. He'd love to tell you that. But I look at this church in Antioch. And I'm like, what a picture of what our church is today. Even if you were raised in church. Some of you, I've been, a, been in a pew all my life. Maybe your heart hasn't been in a pew all your life. Look at this church in Antioch that is filled, that is has this mixture, has this diversity of people. What a beautiful picture this church is. There's this type of diversity in this church that, that I believe that God wants to bring us to. Barnabas is from Cyprus. He's a Hellenistic Jew. Simon, he's he's of unknown origin. Lucius is from Cyrene. Manan is a Palestinian Greek. And, And then finally you have Saul of Tarsus who grew up in Jerusalem and is a Jew but not the same kind of Jew that Barnabas is. So in this room, it's like take people who will not possibly be able to get along and stick them in a house together. Stick them in a room together. And here they are, these men. These men would have been trained from birth to despise the other men on this list, to feel superior to the other men on this list, to position themselves as more intelligent, more intrinsically valuable than the other men on this list. But then the gospel shows up and it blows all of that away. It tears down the walls of hostility. It breaks down the walls of cultural identification and created a new body and a new people. I love it when the devil says and thinks to himself, yeah, they'll never get along. They'll never be able to work together. No, the gospel's going to be defeated. Yet these men who never had anything, they never had purpose, they never had a plan. The gospel shows up and completely turns their world upside down. And not only are they building the church, but the gospel is spreading and spreading and spreading. And I look at our church today and I'm so excited about everything that God is doing because we have people in here that we come from all different walks of life and we've all made mistakes and we all have a past but God is taking all the broken pieces and he's picking us up and he's turning us into his masterpieces the work of the gospel in each of our lives where we once were alienated and separate God makes us one people one body. Uh-huh. And then you get these group of men who have all these different backgrounds. They come from all these different past experience. On top of this relational harmony uh, that's kind of hard to understand. You also see this group of men who are serious about seeking God and hearing from Him. How do I know they're listening to God? Well, it doesn't say they're listening to God, but it does say, and the Holy Ghost said to them, and then they obeyed what the Spirit said. Which leads me to believe that not only were they praying, not only were they worshiping, not only were they fasting, but they were also dialed in trying to hear from God so they might line up their worlds to, to obey Him. my prayer for this church do we worship yes do we pray yes do we fast yes we have got to be dialed into the spirit of almighty God and try to listen to him to seek his will to seek his direction for our lives and as this church God speaks to us through many different ways. He speaks to us through dreams and impressions and a thousand other ways. But those ways and those words will never, ever, ever contradict or go against or disprove the revealed word of God. Amen. In fact, let me say this. If you want to hear from the Lord, then you must grow in your knowledge of the word of God. So that you can understand his character, you can understand his will, you can understand what God is all about, and you understand what he is after. We have got to be a church that is dialed into his character. And as he has revealed himself to us in his word, so that when we do go, I think the Lord is leading me in this way, it it, it is informed by and filtered by the word of God lest we buy into some ridiculous lie where we say, I feel like the Lord is telling me to do this. I feel like the Lord is leading me and one of us has to go. You need to listen clearly and know the Word of God. The filter for the Lord is leading me this way. That filter is the Word of God. This church at Antioch is a beautiful picture of what I believe our church is and can continue to be. We don't pick and choose who we let come through our doors. We don't pick and choose who gets to come to the altar. Everyone, everyone, to whomsoever will, to whomsoever will, to whomsoever will, let them come. I'm so glad that Barnabas didn't hold anything against Saul. And I'm so glad that Saul didn't have any, any, any old passions burn up in, inside of him. But they were affected. They have been empowered by the gospel of Jesus Christ. That they combined forces together and they grew the church. Yes. I want to be that church. I want to be a church that is dialed in. his character church that is dialed into his truth a church that is so dialed into the word of god that no matter what lie what false prophet that the enemy sends our way we will stand fast we will hold on to the word of god which is forever settled in heaven Would you bow your head, close your eyes? They begin to play and sing in closing. Would you just pray with me right now? God, help me to be that church. God, help me to be open-handed. God.